So what do you do when you've experienced relapse and it feels like relapse after relapse after relapse? How do we maintain resilience in the, in the face of repeated failure to help us not lose heart, to not lose hope, and to keep us moving forward? Today, Andy and I are going to talk about it. Welcome to Hope and Recovery, a Fellowship Celebrate Recovery podcast. This is a podcast that shares hope, life change stories to help us deal with mental, emotional, spiritual, and even relational health, all centered around the Beatitudes, the Celebrate Recovery principles where Jesus helps us to face those hurts, to face the hangups, and yes, even the habits so that we can walk in healing and freedom the way Christ intended for us in our life. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the ministry leader at Fellowship Celebrate Recovery in Rogers. And welcome back. So glad that you're here. Uh, Thank you for the ideas that are coming in. Uh, We want more ideas of things you'd love to hear us talk about. It gives us a pool to choose from, but thank you for your feedback. And as always, giving us a high rating and sharing this and even giving us a good review. If you like what you're hearing, uh, help help support us in this um, so that we can keep bringing this, this content to you. But uh, today's topic is one that um, tends to be one that it is kind of a uh, ongoing conversation around recovery because recovery is not clean and neat and tidy. Uh, sometimes there is relapse, and I want to be clear, it's not a requirement, but sometimes it can be an option and it can keep us in this space of relapse. But how do we maintain hope? And I uh, brought my brother Andy into this conversation to talk about that. Andy, welcome, man. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with anxiety and depression, sexual addiction and grief. And my name is Andy. Hey, Andy. So Andy, you and I were talking about this and kind of pinging off of um, came out of that conversation a couple podcasts ago, maybe episode 22 or something right around there. Well, we were talking about um, what if people don't see the change yeah. in us? And it just got us to thinking about what if we don't see the change, right? <laughs> what if what if we're in the middle of the recovery process and, and we're still experiencing relapses and staying stuck in that old way? And what does that look practically in a recovery setting? Yeah. Your- well, I, I think about my, uh, my journey in recovery and how, uh, you know, it, it took me a while to get traction. Uh, you know, I think it probably took me until the, in my first step study, probably till the end of the third book for me to really get some sustained, uh, sobriety within my sexual addiction. And, and I know for me, it was, uh, I just needed a lot of encouragement in that space. Mm. You know, one of those lies that I carried with me for a long time was, you know, maybe other people can find healing, but I'm not so sure about myself. <laughs> yeah, that can be discouraging. Yeah. Right. And it's one one of the reasons why we've kind of, we kind of used to be of this mindset that as soon as you walk in the door, no matter what your struggle, jump into a step study. And and what we found is with, with some, especially with um, significant addiction, especially yeah. with chemical dependency, Um, it may be good to maybe develop some stability yeah. because we're going into 
the heart, right? Yeah. In that step study. And and by the way, open share group has great, um, it's a great change agent through Jesus Christ being in there. We don't have to be uh, in a step study to experience change, but, but it does go into a little bit different type of level for us. And so in conjunction with the open share group and the general meeting with the worship and teaching and testimony, the step study kind of allows us to kind of poke at some wounds. And if we're not in a stable place, uh, that can actually be a pretty significant trigger for us, can it? Yeah, it can. Yeah, yeah. It, it it really can. It it depends on, uh, well, just how deep we're, we're going there. Like, you know, in our addictions, uh, you know, we're running, if we're running to something, it's because we're running some from or from something else. Mm. Uh, and so when we start to dig up that thing that we're running from and start to look at it more in the face, like our natural tendency, because we've been doing it for years is to try and run to something else. And so if, uh, if I've got no stability in, in where I'm at behaviorally, Hmm. It makes it hard to face those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you almost have to kind of build a little bit. And, and and to be clear, we're not saying get your life right and then come jump into this. It's just building a little <laughs> bit of stability to to be able to sustain uh, the work. I, it kind of reminds me of when I'm going into surgery, there's certain things that I have to do and not do. Unfortunately, I've been in surgery a couple times, and there's certain things that you have to do to prepare for that. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we have significant addiction, it's kind of creating some guardrails. It's putting some guardrails up so that that's not our first immediate go-to. Not that we've resolved anything, but we at least have some boundaries up, established boundaries. We have a network. We have a community around us, accountability team. So that when we go into battle to face these things, um, we're, we're more apt to be prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Andy, what has been your experience? Um, and we're not, we're not talking about any one individual because through the years we've had many individuals <laughs> with this kind of situation. What, what is that tendency? What have you seen uh, kind of that narrative when somebody is in kind of a relapse um, season of their life, it's weird to say that, but they're trying to find recovery, but they're in this relapse after relapse after relapse. What, what is that narrative that they tend to speak in that space? Yeah, I, there's it just comes with a lot of questions of what am I doing wrong? Uh, why is this not working? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was. Why isn't why isn't this easier? Uh and, you know, even just to the point of, man, can I really change? Hmm. It's those, those thoughts of because of this, because of these things that are happening circumstantially within my recovery and the, and the fact that I'm not seeing the change that I feel like I should be seeing, hmm. is this even working? Yeah. And, and am I really changing? Yeah. Am I really changing? And it, the, when you were talking, it kind of just the narrative that kind of comes to my mind is, um, what are my expectations? Yeah. Um, if you've been, you know, in this season of your life for many years of a way of coping with pain, your go-to strategy 
it makes sense that every part of my heart, my body, my mind is saying, this is how you escape pain. Yeah. And so it feels a little bit weird now to let go of that, that device, that um, coping strategy and say, I'm not going to go to you right now. I'm going to test out this new path. And that can be a little bit scary. Yeah. Well, and you know, what comes to my mind is that old adage, old habits die hard. Mm. Uh, There's a reason why that phrase has stuck around for so long, because it's true. Uh, When I was, when I was battling my sexual addiction, it was something that was a part of my life for 13 years. Mm. And when I jumped into recovery at 23 years old, that meant that the majority of my life, that's what I ran to. Mm -hmm. And it was, I had more of my life. I had lived with the addiction than without it. Hmm. And so my expectation, and, and I think, you know, in that point of actually stepping into recovery, there was a thought of like, I am tired of this and it's taken me so much pain to get to this point. And I'm finally at a point where I'm ready to do something about it, mm-hmm. but I have no idea what that looks like. Yeah. And I've made a decision to do something about it, but I'm, I'm still struggling. And so am, am I doing it wrong? What's going on with that there? Um, and so the expectation that I had was off. It was, uh, I look back now and I go, I'm going to do this. So now that me just making this, it's going to fix me. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a part of me that I was looking for. I was so tired that I just wanted something to fix me. Yeah. And that was an improper expectation that I had in there. Uh, And it took encouragement from my sponsor of him saying, Hey, what we were just saying, you've been doing this for a long time. It's going to take time for us to work through this. Yeah. Uh, and so let's work it. And that's why, like, I clinged on to that idea of one day at a time uh, early, you know, in my recovery. It's like I, that was such a important thing for me to understand. Because if I tried to think beyond that, sometimes if I thought beyond Lord one hour at a time. Yeah. It just got too overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So I think expectations are, you know, important and that's why I have a mentor trying to find somebody, even if it's an accountability partner, uh, finding someone that's been on the road a little bit longer than you. Ultimately you want someone who's further down the road where you can lean in and ask questions. Um, yeah, you know, what was this like and what should be my expectations? You know, when when should I, you know, should I jump into a step study right now? And just trying to, based on your area of recovery, trying to get counsel from somebody just to see what they say. Well, and that's that was one of the biggest encouragements from jumping into Celebrate Recovery, from trying to do, you know, kind of impromptu accountability, quote unquote, groups whenever I was in college and stuff like that is... In those other accountability groups, uh, and it was just a group of guys just meeting, uh, we didn't have anybody that had actually walked through the struggle and found freedom. Hmm. It was just us trying to figure it out. And 
we didn't have a guide. Hmm. And so when I heard the man who's now my sponsor say that he had nine years of freedom, yeah, I go, Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and so there was a level of, I needed somebody to show me how to walk that. But then there was also a level of, I've had to realize that in my pain, even though intellectually, I know that my circumstances don't dictate truth mm-hmm. in my pain. I allow my circumstances to dictate the truth. Yeah. It's how I interpret what's going on is how I interpret reality. And my mentor, my sponsor, my, my, my accountability guys, they were so key because I would get so much in my own head and I needed somebody to challenge my subjective reality with the objective truth. Hmm. And, uh, that's, that's what my sponsor did for me a lot. Yeah. It still does. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You, you you made a statement early in this conversation, you know, in that place of defeat, you know, I'm doing it wrong. I can't do it, you know. Um, and I, and I want to be careful not to, um, sometimes when we hear people make statements like that, our first inclination is, ah, they're, they're spiraling into a pit. I need to get them out of the pit. Yeah. So it's this posture of, Hey, this doesn't make you a bad person, but it may be possible that you are doing some things wrong. And I think that's a good posture is we're trying to find yeah. hope. Is there anything that I could do differently? And that's the value of having someone around me to saying, okay, you know, I keep, um, but for example, I, you know, I've talked to guys that struggle with pornography and they'll be on an iPhone and they just, it's a big trigger for them. And so, um, They've tried everything, but the iPhone, they're still drawn and they're going to places they shouldn't be going. And so you said, well, have you considered going to a flip phone? Yeah. And they're like, well, I I spent this much money on this. (laughs) I can't do that. You know, that kind of conversation is like, well, that may be something you have to do. You know, if you have to try all options, if if you're doing everything, you're calling people when you're struggling, you're going to meetings, you're being honest and real and authentic, and all these things, you're going to open share group, step study, you're, you're doing the general meeting night, uh, you've got an accountability team, and there's kind of this common thread, this common denominator, something that is or is not happening. The best thing you can do is be open-handed with that and be yeah. honest. It's like... Okay, that is the one thing or one of maybe a few that I'm trying to figure out that I'm not fully embraced because I haven't been quite ready to die to that old dead self. (laughs) Yeah, well, and and I think I think for me, there was like all of that was definitely true. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately what I had to see. I think what was so hard is in my shame, Mm -hmm. I, what I, what I needed was somebody to come alongside me and encourage me Yeah, that, Hey, your shame is not who you are. Uh, and I needed, and that's why it's so good to have people around you that can listen Mm -hmm. and hold your emotions Mm -hmm. and encourage you but then also challenge you. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you've got people around you just telling you what you want to hear, what you, they think you want to hear, yeah. you're in a dangerous spot, aren't you? Yes, And I've said absolutely. that before. Nobody can hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. That sounds weird to say that, but I can give someone permission. It's not anybody else's job to hold me accountable. Yeah. Because if, if, if I make it your job and I don't give you permission, but I make it your job, Andy, you hold me accountable. And you're doing everything you can. In fact, if you're working harder than me, there's a problem, right? Yep. But if if you're holding me accountable, because I've said it's your job, Andy, and then but I've not fully given you permission. And by that I mean I'm not willing to follow your counsel as a brother in Christ to say, Hey, I see this in you, brother. And sat Nathan conversation with David when he's calling out the adulterer, right? The one that murdered someone so that he could have this other woman, right? Nathan's sweetest, but most painful words is when he looks David in the eye and says, David, you are that guy. Yeah. We need those kind of people around us, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Am I giving people permission uh, to um, speak that accountability in, into my life. Otherwise I'm in a slippery slope. So great conversation. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation of how do we, uh, build resilience in the face of repeated failure. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Hey friends, if you're looking for a healthy recovery family to help you face your hurts, hangups, and habits, please consider joining us on a Friday night. We're at Fellowship Fayetteville or Fellowship Rogers. Every single Friday night, we have Connection Cafe meal at 6 p.m., a great meal and great connection with other forever family. And then our general meeting starts at 7 p.m. with a testimony or an encouraging teaching. Join us this Friday night, fellowshipcr.org for more information. We hope you'll join us. Welcome back. Talking with Andy. Andy, I love that conversation. Right before break, we were talking about the uh, just giving someone permission and and just leaning in a little bit more to maybe I am doing something wrong. And again, it's a difference between I am wrong and I've done something wrong. Um, how important it is to be able to be curious about that. Because if all I've learned to do is to run a certain way, um, I don't I don't play golf very often. <laughs> uh, when I do, it's very humbling. But, but one of the things I hear is just this, there you learn to practice a swing over and over and over again and if i keep slicing it to the right you know it's like why is that happening I'm, i must be doing something wrong well yeah you are doing something wrong but that's okay it doesn't mean you are wrong but it's good to bring in someone that has experienced that and they can say hey you don't realize this but you're lifting your head right before you hit the ball yeah. Right. Or your hips aren't turning right. I mean, there's too many things to think about for me in golf, but, but it is an example of how, when we have someone that understands the game, they can point out things that we may not be aware of because it's just become a natural part of us. This is how I respond to pain. This is what I go to. This is what I think about myself in this space. And to have somebody call that out is open handed and say, Oh, you mean that will actually feed and fuel my addiction or my compulsive behaviors? Thanks for telling me. Yeah. 
I need to know that in order to change. Yeah. And I think one thing that happens, just sticking with that analogy right there, is if I have spent 70 hours at a driving range practicing my swing, hitting thousands of golf balls, spending hundreds of dollars. I don't know how much it costs to go to a (laughs) driving range, but spending a significant amount of money. Nobody can argue that I've been putting in effort. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that I saw with myself and I've seen with other guys is like, I, that's one of the first things I want to say is like, man, yes, you've been putting in the effort. Yeah. And we want to, we want to honor that. And so like, if you're somebody that's listening to this right now and that's where you're at, yeah, like that, that effort is valuable, Mm -hmm. but it, I think you said it just a second ago, but let's be curious. Mm -hmm. Maybe the results that we're getting are the fruit of something that in our good intentions to put in effort in the fact that we are trying and we're trying the best that we know how. Yeah. Let's be curious that maybe there's something we don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was just sharing with some sponsees about this, you know, and I heard this from my mentor and heard another conversation recently that if I get to that place where when somebody's telling me some something and my immediate response is, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> That's a red flag. Yeah. Right? Even if I do know, okay, this this guy that I trust is bringing this to my attention. I want to lean in. What is he saying? It seems like I know, but do I fully understand? And that's such a good posture if if every time, because it feels shaming, if you have to bring something to me and I don't know it, oh my gosh, I must be such a moron, right? Whatever those core <laughs> beliefs are, right? That gets us yeah, stuck. Yeah. It's a curious posture to go, okay, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe this guy that I believe God has put in my life or, or guys or gals, if you're listening, ladies, um, maybe God's put them in my life to teach me something. Do I have an open hand posture to maybe learn something, even if it's about a topic I feel like I already understand? Maybe I'll learn something new or a different angle about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, what's funny is like uh, I laugh at that because like, I've been doing this recovery thing for a little over eight years now, and I don't know how many times I've gone back to principle one and I've gone Oh yeah. That's what that means. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, one of the scriptures that I, I've really come, uh, really close to in this process is in, in Matthew where it, in Matthew 11, where Jesus says, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and heaven la- heavy laden. Mm-hmm. It was last week that I caught the, all you who are weary and heaven heavy laden and kind of the subtext of like, Jesus is calling us to come collectively to him as well as individually. So like, I need people around me going back to that idea. I need a mentor. (laughs) And, uh, so like there, there may be something that I'm just not catching. Hmm. And that, I think the, the, where the shame comes in is that I'm making a judgment against myself because I haven't seen that. Yeah. But that's the benefit of having somebody speak into my life. And I need to stay, I, the, uh, a a man cannot learn what he thinks he already knows. Yeah. And so if I, uh, I have to stay humble 
And if I, if I lose that sense of being teachable, yeah, my recovery will never progress. <laughs> yeah. I was sharing this Friday night. Um, I may share this at the summit this year. I'm trying to decide, but the, um, it's interesting. I went to Colorado, um, about six years ago, my wife and I went for our anniversary to visit some old friends and, and, uh, they took us to this place nearby that was called the incline. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, it's literally a mile over the course of a mile. It, it raises like over 2000 feet elevation. <sighs> In a very short window. In fact, some of I think it's like over 2,000. It's like 2,700 steps. But over the course of this incline, it, it, it starts out a little bit flat and then it grows to an incline. And some parts of it, I think, are around 68% incline. Oh, geez. Isn't that crazy? It's like, sounds like a blast. But, <laughs> but when you start out, it looks so flat and you can kind of see to the top of the incline. You're like, man, this is going to be, I think I can do this. The, the air is a lot thinner. Yeah. But I remember Mac, my brother Mac, he, he, went, with, uh, he went with me and my wife and and he started out at the bottom and it's railroad ties that are the steps. So you step one railroad tie to another, to another. And he started and he literally, if you could picture his head was his down, he's looking at his feet and he's literally take step, step, step. And he's taken, that's the pace of his steps. He's taking a step, matching up with the other foot, take a step, match it up with the other foot. And, um, Carol and I are seeing this kind of flat plane. We're like, man, we don't have to go that slow. We got this. <laughs> so we, we went up ahead and we got a good ways up in front. It was like, this is going to be easy. We're going to beat him up there and make good time. But as it slowly started to incline and the, the oxygen level in our lungs started to get really heavy, uh, we started, to, it was harder to breathe. And as we kind of huffing and puffing, kind of putting our hands on our knees. Guess who comes and passes us up? Step. Max coming. Step. <laughs> Step. <laughs> he's like, see you at the top. And he's just kind of <laughs> gradually going by us. And it's like, what in the world? And and he he beat us to the top. I mean, we struggled. We went too fast early on. We lost our oxygen. We didn't we didn't we underestimated the journey a little bit. And it made it a, a lot harder for us. And here's what I was sharing Friday night. I wish I would have gone to Mac and said, okay, tell me why you're going so slow. Yeah. Help me understand. This is a guy that has walked this journey multiple times because he lives in the area. And help me understand, what can I expect? I learned something about false, uh, what do you call that? False, false summits. Yeah. <laughs> so what I thought was the top was actually the, like a quarter up, oh, you know, geez. and then you get to that top and it's like, whew, there's more. And it's like, Oh my God, you talk about deflating, but he knew that. And if I had asked him that, he would have said, now don't get discouraged. There's a false summit coming up. Just stay the course one yeah. step at a time, go this pace. Cause you need to breathe, take deep breaths with every step. All those things would have been so helpful. But I, I looked at the journey ahead of me and thought, Oh, I got this. And yeah. I zipped up and it about killed me. So it's just a good, good thing to be reminded in that, in that narrative of, am I doing something wrong? Yeah, I was doing a lot wrong, 
but it makes sense. I've never walked that journey before where I went wrong was not asking other people and listening to them and assuming I knew because I could see with my own eyes. Oh no, I know how this goes. I've walked before. Yeah. Well, you haven't walked on an incline and so it's different. And so don't assume you have the answers, Rodney, stop and ask questions and yeah, receive, you may be doing it wrong and then adjust Yes. And do it right based on what, what other people are telling us. Yeah. You know, one thing I tell my sponsees all the time is like, we're not going to let a good relapse go to waste. <laughs> and what I mean by that is there is a reason. Again, if we're running to something, it means we're running from something else. Hmm. And so what am I running from? And because if I can identify that in the lies that go along with that, I can stop myself from running to something else for comfort or numbing or protection or defense. And so there's something there. Yeah. I'm not just relapsing just to relapse. I remember talking, I remember one time (laughs) talking to Tim and, uh, you know, I was confessing a relapse and he goes, well, why did you run to, you know, why did you relapse? And I go, I don't know. I just wanted to look at porn. And he goes, no, you didn't. Let's, let's think about this. This is understandable. And so if you're in that spiral, it's understandable, Yeah, but we need somebody to guide us in that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's understandable, but it doesn't have to be acceptable. Exactly. Right. It's like this, what is it? What are you feeling right now? Post relapse? Let's never forget this, what this feels like in your body and your heart, because we want you to grieve and mourn that, um, Mm -hmm. because this dying to self is feeling the the effects of death yeah, and then turning to the one who can comfort us. Yeah. If I don't feel the effects of death, I'm not going to have respect for it. And I'm not going to have any, any desire to walk in life. Walking away from death is wrong. I think it's Romans 623 right around there. Um, no, it, I think it's a few verses back, but it's talking about this, um, um, don't ever don't walk as someone who is um, is walk dead. Walk as someone who's been brought from death to life. Yes, because of what Christ did. Walk as someone who is no longer dead. You have been um, given life, right? What yeah. the Scripture says, "Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." The Spirit now lives in us as believers. Which, by the way, if you're not a believer and you're trying to figure this out, that's probably something you're doing wrong. Yeah. Uh, you need to have the spirit in you uh, to be able to handle that. But uh, but that doesn't mean we're not going to fall down. We still need his grace. We still need his power. That's why every day we turn to him. But am I w- still walking the things I'm looking at, the things I'm listening to, the, the way I'm responding uh, in isolation? That was the dead man walking. You're yeah. no longer that dead man or dead woman walking live, begin living a life as someone who's been brought from death to life. That's a different, different mission. Yeah. And I think with that too, like, you know, you know, we talk about expectations. I should expect that on the tails of a relapse, I'm going to feel terrible. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I can also expect that I'm not going to feel that way forever. And what I'm feeling even though the emotion is valid, the way that I'm applying that to overall my life circumstance and everything, it, it may, I may be 
in my pain yeah. a little off on what actually is true. Yeah. And so what is truth? The the word of God is truth. Mm-hmm. Could it could it be the case that God isn't lying to us when he says that we don't have to live like a dead man? Hmm. That we actually do have hope. Yeah. And so I think that's that's one thing is like cling to the hope. Where is the truth? And immerse yourself in the truth. And even if you don't feel like it's true, yeah, we can trust it. Yeah. Get your butt there and your heart will follow. <laughs> yes. And well, and I think that's the other thing too, because like in those in those repeated relapses, it's easy for our hope to get beat down, mm-hmm. which I've learned for me, that means I need to remind myself of hope by getting around people who have hope. Yeah. Cause sometimes I just can't muster it up and I need some people just around being around me. people will give us, get us out of that pit. Exactly. Yeah. And so I need to go to open share. Hmm. I need to keep listening to those life change stories. I need to remind myself that there is nothing different between the people that have found freedom and me. Yeah. If God can heal them, he can heal me. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, so don't stay in that pit and and don't use it as a license to stay in the pit. Well, I've already relapsed. I might as well just stay here. Yes. And it's like you just kind of become hungry for that that dysfunctional uh, way of strategy, coping strategy. So um, reach out to your lifeline, Jesus Christ. Reach out to the lifeline, the people that he's put in your life and get back in. It doesn't mean we've lost everything. We just pick up where we left off. Yeah. Because you're still a child of the king who's been brought from death to life. That doesn't change anything. You've just had a mix-up here, right? And yeah. what we don't want to do is to spiral deeper in the pit because we've had a fall. Uh, pick up where you left off. And I love that having people asking, how did we get here? Let's let's analyze that, review, so that we can eliminate some of those things that are in our control um, and not put ourselves in those unhealthy neighborhoods, so to speak, right? Yeah. And also remembering too is while we may not be where we want to be yet, we aren't where we were. Yeah. Sometimes and, you're changing and you don't even feel it. Exactly. Oftentimes I don't feel it when yeah. I'm changing until so, far after. So you look back and go, wow, I didn't know I'd come that far. Not yeah. where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be, as we say. Yes. So, well, good stuff. Andy, thanks, man. Good good conversation as always. It always goes so quick. Uh, but hopefully that's been an encouragement for you. Um, we'll probably have many uh, off-ramps on this conversation <laughs> moving forward. But, uh, hey, thanks for being with us today. Um, if you're in the middle of a relapse and you're feeling hopeless, just know as Andy said, that Jesus in that Matthew 11 passage, he's speaking this to you. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for it is gentle and easy. He, he wants to give you rest for your souls. That sounds pretty good, especially if you're in a place of despair because of a relapse. So, hey, if you'd love to join us on this process we call recovery, come see us on a Friday night at Fellowship Fayetteville, Fellowship Rogers. More information, go to fellowshipcr.org. Join us every Friday night, 6 p.m. for Connection Cafe Meal and 7 p.m. for the general meeting. Hey, thanks for being with us. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, God bless.